Truth in History with Charles A. Jennings. Welcome to Truth in History. In our study today, let's start with the book of Romans, chapter number one. I have entitled this presentation, Don't Believe Me, But Believe the Apostle Paul. Don't believe me, believe the Apostle Paul. In the book of Romans, when he starts out, he proclaims that Jesus Christ of God, verse number 3, chapter 1, concerning His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. According to the Spirit, He's the Son of God. According to the flesh, He's the Son of David. Now, he states that early on in his letter to the Romans, to show that he is talking to Israelites that understand the Old Testament. Otherwise, if he was writing to some totally ignorant pagan people, quote, Gentiles, as most Christians understand that word, this letter would make no sense at all. So, as I said, Don't believe me, but believe the Apostle Paul when he teaches in the book of Romans that Israel, all 12 tribes of Israel, were still in existence in his day. And if they were in existence in his day, they're still in existence in our day. Now let's go over some evidence that Paul gives. And this is going to be quick. I'm going to have to go rather speedily took over uh, to cover all the material. Romans chapter 10. I hope you have your Bible with you to follow along. Romans chapter 10. Paul's desire. That's number one. Paul's desire. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. If he knew that Israel was not in existence, then this prayer, this desire would be totally meaningless. And this concerns both houses, the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Because he goes on to say, For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. You see, the house of Judah. I mean, the the true Judahites, they were trapped under Judaism. They had a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own through all the ceremonies and the rituals of the Old Testament law, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God, which is in Christ. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. That's point one, Paul's desire that Israel and Judah might be saved. Number two, Paul's challenging question in Romans chapter 11 and verse 1. His question is, 
I say then, hath God cast away his people? That's the question. And it's a question knowing that he's going to give a negative answer. And this is the question that I ask to every one of us today. Hath God cast away his people, Israel of the Old Testament, after he made all those promises, and then he cast them away? He just forgets about them? Now, there is a theory that the Jews are Israel, and that's all it is, just a religious theory. And then there's another theory that the church is Israel. The Christian church is Israel. And then there's another theory called the amalgamation theory, that they just became, the Israelites of the Old Testament just became amalgamated among all the heathen. All three of those are wrong. They're false. True Israel, all 12 tribes are existing today. Okay, Paul's challenging question. Hath God cast away his people? His answer is, Paul's answer, point number three, God forbid. God forbid. In other words, absolutely not. And then point number four, he gives his evidence. Point number four. He says, For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. In other words, he mentions four entities here. He mentions himself. If he was in a courtroom, he would tell the judge, God hath not cast off his people because I'm alive. Paul says, for I also. And then he says, I am an Israelite. In other words, that blood, that Israelite blood from Jacob was still in his veins and still in existence. So he said himself. Then he mentions Israelite. Then he mentions Abraham of the seed of of Abraham. In other words, the seed of Abraham is still in existence, and judge, I stand here as evidence. And then he says, of the tribe of Benjamin. He even knew the tribe that he was from. In other words, specific understanding. He says, I am here. I'm an Israelite. I'm of the seed of Abraham, and I'm a Benjamite. So that's Paul's four-point evidence. Now, as we go back to Jeremiah 33 and verse number 23, this is what he said. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, saying, Considerest thou not what this people have spoken, saying, The two families which the Lord hath chosen, he hath even cast them off? Thus they have despised my people, that they should be no more a nation before them. He uses the same language as Jeremiah 33 and verse 24. There is a belief, or Jeremiah said, some people 
are believing this rumor that God hath cast off his people, the two families, Israel and Judah. And Paul picks up on that and he says, God hath not cast away his people. So we come to point five. God hath not cast away his people which he foreknew. He has not done that. Now, let's go back to chapter number nine. In Romans nine and verse number one, we read this. I say the truth in Christ. I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren. That's what he said. For my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. And then he identifies who Israelites are. Who are Israelites? To those who pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenant, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises, whose are the fathers, and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came. See, Israel had to be in existence in order for Christ to come. So that's Paul's passion that myself, I wish that myself were accursed. Now let's go back to Romans 9 and 25. These are more of Paul's witnesses that Israel was and still in existence. This is what he said. He uses the prophet Hosea. Romans 9, 25. As he said also in Hosea, I will call them my people, which were not my people, and her beloved, which was not beloved. If you know the story of Hosea and his three children, they were cast off, not beloved, not my people, but Jezreel was sown, was spread abroad, scattered in dispersion, and then regathered. And he uses Hosea as evidence that the people of God are still in existence. Romans 9, 26, And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, Ye are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. So he has Hosea as a witness. Now he uses Isaiah as a witness. Romans 9, 27. Isaiah also cried concerning Israel, Though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. For I will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. 
And as Isaiah said before, except the Lord of Sabaoth had left us a seed, we should have been as Sodom and we had, had been like unto Gomorrah, Sodom and Gomorrah. So he uses these two prophets, Hosea and Isaiah. You see, Paul, just picture Paul in a courtroom giving the evidence to the judge that these children of Israel are in existence to this day. And if they were in existence in the first century, they're in existence today. Don't believe the amalgamation theory or the church is Israel, this multicultural, uh, you know, group of people that confess Christ and now that's Israel. No, that does not fit scripture interpretation. Now, going back to Romans chapter 11 and verse number two, he uses the prophet Elijah as a witness. God hath not cast off his people whom he foreknew. Know ye not what the scripture says of Elijah? How he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets. Dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what says the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. This is the third prophet that he has used as evidence that he is speaking to this people that there was a remnant of Israel left. That's found in 1 Kings 19, 10, and 18. That was 1 Kings 19, verses 10 to 18. Now, everyone remembers the story of Elijah and his contest against the false prophets on Mount Carmel and also his challenge to Ahab. Ahab was not a king of the southern kingdom. He was a king of the northern kingdom. So it puts Elijah as a prophet to the northern kingdom or the northern house. And he is saying that of the northern house, there's going to be a remnant left. There's going to be northern Israelites of the 10 tribes, basically all 12 tribes, still in existence in Paul's day. And if they were in existence in the first century, they're in existence today. Now, he uses the prophet Jeremiah in Romans chapter 11 and verse number two. He says, well, I've lost my place. Verse number two, for he says, for I also am an Israelite of the seed 
of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. Well, let's go back to Jeremiah 33 and verse 23 and 24. These, as I pointed out before, and this is somewhat redundant, redundant. That's why I kind of lost my place there, because he quotes the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 33, verse 24. Those that believe that God had cast off his people. Now, he uses Hosea. And that was from chapter one of his book, verses eight to 11. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 20 to 22. Elijah, first Kings chapter 19 and Jeremiah 33. I think I know that Paul has this legal judicial mind that makes a solid argument that the people of God are still in existence today. Now, we, we covered Paul's desire, Paul's challenging question, Paul's answer, Paul's evidence, Paul's affirmation, Paul's passion, Paul's witnesses, and now Paul's calling and mission. In Galatians chapter 1, Paul says this in Galatians chapter 1, verse 15. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. Well, who are the heathen? Well, in his call, in his original call found in Acts chapter 9, we read this in Acts chapter 9, verse 15. Ananias is speaking. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles, the heathen, which were actually See, the word Gentile means ethnos or nations. It doesn't necessarily mean non-Israelites. This is including Israelites in this case, because he said to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings and the children of Israel. So that was his original calling. That was his original calling. Now, Paul was willing to die for three things. Paul was willing to die, and he was called, and he preached the purpose of his message and the actual message of his sermons. And he was willing to die for three things. Number one is the name of of Jesus, the name of Jesus. Now, we know Paul said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. Some of his friends said, no, you're not going to go because they will take your life. This is in Acts 
21. Acts chapter 21 and verse 12. And when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. It's too dangerous, Paul. Then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. That was his calling in Acts chapter 9, to bear the name of Jesus to Israel. And that's what he has done. Number two, he is willing to die for the resurrection. And he has been called up in question over this issue of the resurrection. In Acts 23, in verse 6, But when Paul perceived that the one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, of the hope and resurrection of the dead, I am called in question. He was called in question for the name of Jesus and the resurrection of the dead because he has said many times in his letters that the gospel is Christ crucified and resurrected. Some of them didn't believe. The Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. But Paul was saying, I am here. I am affirming my belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Also in 24, verse 21, this is what he said. Except it be for this one voice that I cried standing among them, touching the resurrection of the dead, I am called in question by you this day. That's number two. He's willing to die for the name of Jesus, for the belief in the resurrection of Jesus, and number three, the restoration of Israel. Acts chapter 26 and verse 6 to 8, he says this before Agrippa, And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers. Israel's, Israelites, unto which promise our twelve tribes, instantly serving God day and night, hope to come. For which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? Number one, he is saying that the Twelve tribes instantly serving. If you look up that word instantly, it means intently, fervently without ceasing. That's strong 1616 and 1618. Now, what he is saying is that the twelve tribes are in existence and they are out there somewhere serving God, serving the Lord. And then in Acts 28 and verse 20, 
Paul the Apostle said these words, For this cause therefore have I called for you to see you and to speak with you, because that for the hope of Israel I am bound with these chains. He was willing to die. He, would, he was on trial for the name of Jesus, the resurrection, and the hope of the promises of God fulfilled in the Israel people. And brother, he brought us the gospel. Many of you have received our magazine, but if you have not received it, I challenge you to order this issue here because this is about the ministry of the Apostle Paul to Israel and evidence by many scholars, quotes, many quotes by many scholars that the Apostle Paul actually traveled to ancient Britain and preached the gospel there. And in turn, it came our way. So God bless you. Jesus Christ is our prophet. He's our priest and he is our coming king.